offensive block, cuts it back, 40, 45, 50, he's off to the races, down the left sideline, to the 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Aaron Jones, oh what a play! This is the Quick Slants Podcast. Welcome back, Packers fans, to the Quick Slants podcast at Game On Wisconsin. Happy midweek. I am Jason Perrone, your host, and for just the second time ever in the storied and very brief history of the show, I've got a guest, and it is none other than a very good friend of mine and one of the founders of the Unknown Packers podcast. It is Bryce Christensen, and Bryce, I almost say, want to say Bryce Christensen on tap because I'm so in tune with your with your own show, but I can't steal that from you guys. Bryce, welcome to Quick Slants Podcast. Hey, thanks so much, Jason. Uh, this really means a lot. This is actually, it's it's weird that you say this is your second guest. This is the second time I've been a guest. So uh, I was a guest on a Chicago Bears podcast um, and was not invited back the following year. So I am hoping that I redeem myself on my second appearance Uh but thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to talk Packers. Yeah, and what better time than as we start the preparations and the Packers start their preparations for divisional round weekend. And the Packers and Rams are going to kick off the weekend on Saturday afternoon. They drew the Saturday afternoon slot, Bryce. I was kind of surprised by that. Were you? I am too. I was expecting a, a Sunday night evening game where we would have to sweat it out the entire weekend, but... Uh... This one was on us, uh, on our side this time. So I like the slot. Uh, I like the timing. I wouldn't have minded a later game because it's a little bit more colder. So, uh, but outside of that, uh, I like the Saturday afternoon and it's going to be cold no matter what. Yeah, mid-20s, partly sunny. I didn't see much snow in the forecast. So maybe the Rams catch a little bit of a break, but they're coming in from Los Angeles and this is that home field advantage we talked about when the Packers were playing for it and there was only one team that was going to get it. Green Bay secured it. They got the week off. And now everybody that will play the Packers is going to have to come to Green Bay. There's going to be some fans in the stands. And by the way, for those of you out there, if you're not following or have not checked out Bryce's work and Ken and Nebels over at the Unknown Packers podcast, get over and check it out because they do an awesome job. You guys are doing a couple shows a week. I'm a, I'm an, a regular listener. So a lot of this stuff, if you listen to Bryce's and, and Ken's show, some of this stuff's going to cross over. It might be a little bit of a repeat, but you guys highlighted it too on your show. There's going to be some fans in the stands, Bryce. Mm-hmm. Fans in the stands. I, uh, I had an opportunity to possibly go to the, the game, and I declined. Um, I'll be honest. I was pretty confident about it uh, last weekend when I found out that we have the option um, to, to get tickets uh, for our through our season tickets. Uh, and uh, I'm, 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 I'm sort of kind of in that seven stages right now, like, oh, d- in denial. Did I really decline that opportunity? But I just didn't feel like it was right for me. I'm thrilled that Lambeau gets to have fans. Um, this is a special season, and I'm, I'm confident that Lambeau and uh, the Green Bay Packers, they're going to do everything uh, correctly to make sure that everyone's safe. As long as the fans sort of abide, uh, I think it's going to be a real positive outcome, and this team needs fans. I'm, I'm excited. 
it's just not the same Lambo without fans in the stands. It just looks so bizarre. Every stadium does look does look bizarre, but Lambo's been around for such a long time. You just don't you don't get a lot of glimpses of Packers playing football and, and especially with an op- opposing team on the field, and then nobody's in the stands. You know, the Packers have never gone through a period of time in their story over 100 years history where they haven't been able to sell the place out, which is in, incredible. It's absolutely incredible. It's one of the reasons why I love Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's why I love. The whole vibe there, and and one thing that really excites me, I'm looking way too far ahead, and I might be jinxing some things right now, but think about this: you get a Packers Bills Super Bowl, you get two fan bases from Ooh. small towns, very passionate. The media is gonna, I mean, they would just they would have a field day with that. But I will save that for another uh, for another show. But I, Bryce, real quick, one thing I wanted to, you to talk about because I think it's really cool, and to introduce to my audience too is the work that you're doing with the Milwaukee Bucks, which is really cool. It's very unique. I had a chance to watch it. I checked it out on Twitter recently and kind of explained to everybody what you do and how did you get that uh, very desirable gig? Uh, Well, I appreciate that. That, I don't really get an opportunity to kind of talk about my background a little bit, especially this. I've kept this pretty close to the vest. Um, I, I am humbled and honored to be a part of the Milwaukee Bucks organization. I'm really thrilled to be a part of their fabric and their culture. Uh, I've always wanted to have American Sign Language and sports come together, uh, congruence, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so um, I grew up uh, a child to deaf parents, and I went to sporting events where I interpreted for my father. Um, and I always sort of wonder... Would my childhood be different? I think it obviously would be. If uh, I didn't interpret, I probably would have got to be a little bit more into the moment, enjoying the game. But two, I always wondered if my dad had access, would he be a different person? Would he be happier? Would there be other people uh, that would be happier? And then I started thinking that, well, why isn't it a fundamental right for all human beings, all individuals to have communication access? Um, I think it's sort of uh, capitalized by individuals. And I think the thing that I'm really thrilled about is breaking down that barrier in professional sports. Um, There's captioning, but it's typically auto-generated captioning. It's not real captioning. And English and American Sign Language are two different structurally uh, languages. One's spoken, one's visual. And when you put captions in there, which is typically a second language to the deaf community, uh, you're already saying that, like, hey, you're not good enough to get uh, the information like the rest of us. So that has been my driving force. And honestly, thankfully, um, I had a close connection with the Milwaukee Bucks professionally um, through Pfizer Forum and developed uh, some really close relationships and was able to propose an idea of becoming the first and only professional sports team to provide sign language interpreting. And they loved it. Uh, I had talked with other professional sports teams and they'd say they'd get back to me and they never did. Uh, The Bucks from day one were were in. And I think what you've seen in 2020 with the Milwaukee Bucks is uh, they, they walk the walk, they talk the talk. What they've done with social justice, uh, racial inequality, uh, the peaceful protest, uh, the the boycott, the the sitting out of an NBA basketball game, and then you you weave in the fact that they became the one and only team that provides sign language interpreting. They don't have to do that, and I'm really excited to see 
what we're going to be doing more, uh, we're just scratching the surface uh, with this as well as the NBA and other uh, potential leagues. This is a definite 25-year plan in the making. I love it. I love it. It's just something, and to your point there too, there's, there are audiences all over the place that are, they don't get the same opportunities and it's unfortunate as as we do when we don't need interpreting or any help understanding what's going on mm-hmm. on the screen. You know, one mm-hmm. thing that was kind of neat this past weekend in a different way was the Saints and Bears game gets simulcast on Nickelodeon. Right. You've got kids now, and I know it's about the money, and, and mm-hmm. I get what why the NFL is doing it, and if there wasn't a money trail, they wouldn't be doing it, and I'm not naive right. to that fact, but just – the, the different audiences and the different – the way and I love the way that they did it, explaining the game. And I was like, hey, I might want to watch these Nickelodeon broadcasts uh, more often because they actually explained some rules that I, I could use some refreshers in, you know. And it was, it was kind of nice how they broke it down, made it easy, made it understandable. I've got a, a seven-year-old son who's just starting to get into football. Yes. And so I think he obviously loved the slime in the end zones, but – just the, the rules and all that other kind of stuff. So kudos to you, Bryce, and congrats on that. And we'll be looking forward to some more great work there as you're covering the team. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are also Milwaukee Bucks fans as well, too. But let's talk some Packers and Rams. And actually, there was some news on Monday of this week. The Packers signed offensive lineman Jared Valdir. And yeah. Jared Valdir, Bryce, if he gets into this game, or maybe it doesn't matter, Maybe it's just the fact that he's he's in uniform. Uh, Jared Valdir is going to become the first player to play two playoff games for two different teams in the same season. And he was able to sign with the team because he was on the Indianapolis Colts practice squad. They unfortunately did not beat the Buffalo Bills this past week, and they were eliminated from the playoffs. So his season and his time with the Colts came to an end. And so Jared Valdir is a Green Bay Packer because he's not done playing football. So, Bryce, what was your reaction to the news? Jared Valdir finally in the fold because there was a lot of talk earlier in the season that a lot of fans and a lot of people wanted him brought in for some depth on that offensive line. Uh, stunned, to be honest. Uh, the fact that he suited up for the Colts, uh, he was elevated off the 53. He wasn't actually signed to the 53. So a little bit of a loophole that, I mean, just a savvy uh, move by Gutekunst to fortify that offensive line. Uh, this is an all-in move. You already knew the Packers were all in uh, with with bringing in Taven Austin, who I know uh, has coughed up that costly fumble, but just the fact that making moves, uh, bringing in snacks, and now Jared Valdir uh, in this very sly move. I'm excited because uh, you, you knew what he could do based off of last year. I mean, he filled in for Brian Balaga, who I think had the flu, uh, during the divisional round in the playoffs against the Seattle Seahawks. Um, we had signed him on in November of 2019. And he was a big talking point because we didn't re-sign Brian Balaga. So the thought was that we were going to bring him in. And I think that there was a, a a part of the fan base that was crushed that we didn't. Uh, well, it's life works in mysterious ways. And we get this sort of gift where he can fortify that line. You can probably maybe kick Billy Turner in on the inside, depending on if you want to go and fortify more going up against Aaron Donald. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a it's a move that that helps this offensive line. It's another move that Brian Gutekunst has done to show that the Packers are all in as they should be as the number one seed 
Um, I'm expecting just stable uh, play. I'm really curious to see with Wagner. He practiced, but um, still under that that knee issue, if they're going to sort of maybe put Valdir in at that right side. Um, But time will tell. But I I love the move because uh, you can always use more depth. Well, yeah, think about this. If they don't make this move, in the worst-case scenario, which hopefully doesn't rear its ugly head for the Packers, but the worst-case scenario, you've got to shuffle guys around and you're inserting rookies John Runyon or Simon Stepaniak in the middle where, where Aaron Donald's going to be lurking. That's a very sobering thought, you know? But this is this is like a this seems like a depth move more than a, than a shake-up. And I, I've seen a lot of fans that have said, oh, Valdir, you know, okay, now you put him at left tackle, you can move Billy Turner back to right tackle or right mm-hmm. guard and... I don't want anyone to forget the great job that Billy Turner has done at left tackle this season. I mean, before the season started, a lot of there was a lot of analysis and a lot of thoughts that Billy Turner would not be a good tackle. He, sliding him out to tackle was going to be a disaster. He has silenced all of those critics. Rick Wagner has been good when he stayed healthy. One of the things about Ricky Wagner is, is are you going to get 60 minutes out of him every single week? Now, the Packers would only have to play, theoretically, three more games at the most. But... Can you get those games out of Wagner? This was something the Packers had to do. I think it's, I think it's depth. I mean, even without David Bakhtiari, they've been they've been so good. And you stick with what you think. You stick with what you've had so far. I mentioned Turner. I mentioned Wagner on the on the ends, and then you've got All Pro center Corey Lindsley, who's at center. That that allows Elton Jenkins to stay on the on the inside at left guard. Lucas Patrick at right guard, where he's been really good. He did have some struggles. At, at one point during the season, but other than that has been solid at right guard. Just save the shuffling. And it's not just Aaron Donald. You got Michael Brockers, you got Leonard Floyd. You know, all those guys run stunts. You've got blitzing blitzes that the Rams might run to. The line the line the offensive line is going to have its work cut out for it. I don't think moving a guy into a position where it's not natural is what is what you want to do. But it does give the Packers some more options if they need to to plug somebody in there. If somebody gets hurt, like I said Rick Wagner goes down, Billy Turner goes down, and they can't just move around. You need a pure tackle, and that's what Jared Valdir can do. He can step in there. And I mentioned Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald dealing with the rib injury, and I've I've heard it referred to as torn cartilage yep. and a dislocated rib. He is going to uh, – you mentioned on your own show, kudos to you and Ken Ingles, uh, Aaron Donald's never missed a game during his yeah. career, which is, which is incredible. So he – He's going to play, and he's going to wear a flak jacket. I don't know how much that's going to impact a defensive tackle. Uh, I, it, that reminds me of, of four years ago in 2016 when Jordy had to play with a flak jacket after he got cracked ribs against the Giants right. in the wild card right. round. And then by the time they went to by the time they went to Atlanta for the NFC Championship game, it was uh, it was a, a shell. It was a shell. Yeah. So I I don't know I don't know what to expect there. But obviously, Aaron Donald, all pro. I mean, there's, there's a lot of all pro on all pro in this matchup, Bryce. The media's got to just have a field day with it. And, and it's going to be a lot of fun for everybody to watch um, when you've got strength on strength. And this is just one area of it. But Aaron Donald, fractured ribs, a defensive tackle who's got offensive linemen kind of shoving their hands into him and, and body-to-body close contact. What do you think? How do you think this might impact his game? That's a great point. Uh, you know, I forget about the physicality in the trenches. I mean, that should be a, an odd, obvious no-brainer. Uh, yeah, I'd, I don't foresee him missing the game. Uh, 
he's going to be limited though, for sure. Uh, rib injury. Um, I like the, I like the Jordy Nelson comparison, but at the, and at the same time, uh, you've got all pro center Corey Lindsley, like you mentioned, that's probably the, the most intriguing matchup for me is Donald Lindsley. I think Lindsley has the upper hand because Donald is hurt, but I sort of wonder if this is going to be like the Michael Jordan flu game, like for Aaron Donald, he's already proven that uh, he could be a once in a lifetime type player. He's already in conversations about, you know, Lawrence Taylor and, and Reggie white could very well be a three-time defensive player of the year. Uh, I really wonder how significant this injury will be. That's something that I'm going to be glued to uh, on Saturday is if he's hurt and he still has an incredible game where he stuffs the stat sheet, uh, it's like, oh my gosh, this guy's unstoppable. I, I think that Corey Lindsley has the upper hand because Donald's not 100%, but at the same time, Donald has that track record where he's proven himself time and time again. Um, that is the matchup that I'm looking forward to the most. Not Ramsey Adams, it's it's really Lindsley and Donald. I think if we can neutralize Donald, even if he's at 80%, I will take it. Um, I think the Packers are in good hands. Yeah, I agree. I think all those things make a lot of sense. I think he's he's going to bring it and, and play hard. He's the type of guy who can yeah. just decide, hey, I'm going to wreck this snap and do it. <laughs> kind of like a Reggie White used to do. Mm-hmm. I always like to be careful when I make comparisons. But like Reggie used to do that. He used to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wreck this snap. And he would just mentally decide, hey, I'm going to do it and get in there. And he can literally will himself to make that kind of play. And that's what Aaron Donald is. The Packers are going to have their hands full with him. But I think one thing about Valdir that I do want to think about if he does have to play is that, A, he's been playing. So he was signed to Indy's practice squad at the end of December, which isn't a ton of time. But at least he's, he's in the mindset of football. He's been in the habit of football for a couple weeks now. He just played in a game. He's been in the NFL for a long time. He also, Bryce, I don't, I don't know if you remember this. You're, you, you've, got, you've got good memory like I do as far as history and, and the Packers go, but Jared Valdir had to step in with about 30 minutes notice last year in the divisional round and, and play tackle for the Packers because Brian Bulaga was too sick to go. And he had uh, this guy, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, Bryce. His name is uh, Jadavion Clowney. <laughs> and I don't think Jadavion Clowney did a whole lot in that game. So if Jared Valdir has got to play, I think the Packers could have done a lot worse for somebody to fill in there. It just gives you that peace of mind, especially with Bach out and sidelined. It's a sexy move. It's just a really great move by Gudekunst. Um, I'm in the Gudekunst uh, fan camp. I think I might even be uh, – I wonder what my re- – the way I think about Brian Gutekunst is very on par of how I think about my wife. That there's just really no, you can do no wrong, and so far he's proven um, what a great uh, replacement we've had from Ted Thompson to Brian Gutekunst. Uh, I just think it's a move that you, like you said, you had to make. Um, I'm I'm so happy that they made this move because right before midnight. New Year's Eve, uh, you learn about David Bakhtiari tearing his ACL. Oof, yeah. And so from a week to almost a week, you get this, and I feel a little bit better. Um, I mean, Billy Turner showed up, but like you said, uh, injuries crop up, and that roster depth got very thin right after Bakhtiari went down. So this makes me breathe a little bit more. Uh, I This is the matchup that I've been – 
sort of not really wanting against the Green Bay Packers. I think this kind of defense could give the Packers offense trouble. But that interior line of the Green Bay Packers is so good. Turner and Wagner have done great or have been uh, Turner better than Wagner, in my opinion. But that interior line with Jenkins and Lindsley, I think they're going to do okay. And Donald's at like, I don't know, 75, 80%. Um, I feel I feel okay, and uh, I'm, I'm going to take it week by week, but this is such a great team, and this is just another great move by a very savvy general manager. Yeah, i got to say, I'm really, really excited, and it's one of those things where look, he's kind of gotten beat up a little bit for some of his moves. You think about it, last yes. year he takes <laughs> – last year he drafts Rashawn Gary at 12. What are you doing this past yeah. – well, you need to talk about this past draft. And well, it wasn't it, this it, fast Yeah. What what was it again? And uh, who was the first Did you round? Trade up? There's something. Up? Well, and and until the Tennessee game, the first two draft picks this season did nothing to contribute to this team. So mm-hmm. it's not a formula that I think he wants to follow very often. But we are very engrossed in what's happening right now. You and I both. It's a playoff run. There's big aspirations. I don't want to say the <laughs> too much, <Yeah>. but <laughs> we also we also are going to expect. <clears throat> when the 2021 season starts this fall, that this team's going to be competitive. And it wouldn't be if he wasn't forward-looking and able to make those decisions and say, look, I'm not going to stack the hell out of this team right now. I've got to think about 2021, 22, 23, and Aaron Rodgers is going to be gone at some point. I hate, you know, newsflash, but you need the guy that can take the emotion out of it and say, hey, I plan to keep my job for a while, and the only way I'm going to do it is to build for the future. And I'm really looking forward to your show in the off season. And I messaged with Ken a little bit about this last week. And I said, man, I can't think of a show I'm more excited about when the off season starts, hopefully not until mid February after a championships being celebrated in a certain town that uh, might have title in its nickname, but (laughs) the salary cap stuff. I mean, look, it's, it's going to be a must every single week to stay up on what's going on. And I'm really looking forward, no pressure. I'm really looking forward to what you guys are going to be doing during the off season, but looking at this matchup, Bryce, and I have to ask you a question because you do a cool job of this over on your show too, getting into the history of your guests and how they got to be where they're at. One thing I'll ask you is we're getting ready for a playoff game. And this is one of those matchups where, you know, we've seen the Packers in the playoffs come up against opponents where it was like, Oh, they got this. No, I've seen the Packers go into playoff games where I'm like, there's no way they're going to win this game. Mm-hmm. And you've got all pro on all pro. It is, this is one of those like really tough to call types of games, but how much do you think it's helping you? Because you've talked about your maturity as a fan because you've started doing the podcasting and covering the team a little bit and doing some research and stuff. And I identify with that because I have also taken a different approach and I think I have a more educated look at it instead of just flipping the TV on mindlessly mm-hmm. at 11.45 on Sunday and then just finding out as the game's starting, oh, the so-and-so star is out because I didn't follow the news that week. I didn't have any responsibilities and I just get emotional for three hours and then I shut it off. How much more prepared are you for a game like this where it's so tough to tell how some of these matchups are going to go because of of what you're doing or does it not make a difference and you're going to be absolutely berserk anyway? (laughs) That's a great question. I love that question. Well, first off, I like your style, Jason. I love... I love what you're doing with quick slants, uh, game on Wisconsin, uh, 
So the feeling is mutual, and uh, I appreciate it. I'm really looking forward to the offseason as well. Uh, I'm uh, essentially going to be a listener within uh, the episode with Ken when he's talking about the salary cap. (laughs) And so uh, with that, uh, to follow up with your your, your second part of the question, um, with the Rams, yeah, I do miss the knee-jerk reactions that I used to – used to get in in vibe in if you will and uh, there's a part of me that does wish that I was a little bit more emotional in games I'm not as much anymore I, I I'm way more attentive uh, I, I think I'm a little bit more I like to calculate like what's gonna you know, second quarter third quarter fourth quarter so I appreciate um, the approach that I view games now um, yes with a playoff football I'll probably tap in a little bit to uh, and pay homage to nostalgic Bryce, if you will, uh, way back when. Um, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 years ago, maybe even more. Uh, I feel a little bit more grounded more than ever, and I think that translates while, when I'm watching the game. And I, I just like being a little bit more attentive. I like having the game indulge me. I like breaking it down. I like looking at certain matchups, not just focusing on Rodgers, but maybe looking at Adams a little bit more or on defense, tuning into Savage Jair. Um, I never thought I'd be tuning into offense alignment. So covering the team uh, with the Unknown Packers podcast, it's just been fun to get to know the team a little bit more. The salary cap helps as well. It, it, you, you just ground yourself. You understand a little bit more holistically what this organization is trying to do. And so far, I've been thrilled with the transition. Um, I'll admit, when Mark Murphy talked about this structure and that the coach and the general manager had Ooh, to report to him, yeah. I cringed. I was like, oh, man, I, I really want this to work. And then his, his press conference, um, you know, I, I love the guy. But he just kept talking and talking. I was like, oh, boy, this is awful. This is my worst nightmare. Is this real life? Is this really happening? Is this the team that I love? And so to see what Murphy's done in three years, hiring Gutekunst, enduring another year with not even a full season of McCarthy to Lafleur, uh, the thing that excites me the most, um, I know this probably isn't related to the question that you're asking, but it grounds me in a way is that this is year two for Lafleur. I think he sort of got into the fact that he was playing his brother or playing, you know, his peer in, in, in Kyle Shanahan and or coaching against him. I think in this game, I'm just going to feel a little bit more relaxed. I trust this team. Uh, I think this team uh, is clicking on all cylinders on both sides of the football. Um, as we get closer, I don't want to jinx myself, but if we continue – on yeah i'm gonna tap in more to being a little bit probably a little bit more vocal because this feels this feels it like i feel it i feel it in my bones this has been a special season um from literally from the draft on we didn't know if we were going to have this season uh, and to experience it now in a divisional round um i've got high expectations for how the Packers do against the Rams. I know that they have the number one defense, but uh, we've got the number one offense. I think we've got the coach of the year. I think we've got the offensive player of the year, MVP. And when you have that, uh, you're just a better team. So I'm expecting to be a little bit more grounded, maybe even a little bit cocky. Like 
when Rodgers throws a touchdown, be like, yep, I, I knew that. I, I knew he was going to do that. I'm not worried. Number one defense, I'm not really concerned. So I feel really, really good. Uh, maybe that was a very long-winded uh, answer to your question about whether or not if I, I'll, I'll get berserk or not. Well, no, I, I love don't it. think so. I love it because I, I need to borrow some, some faith. I think good things are going to happen for the Packers, but I need to buy any additional faith that I possibly can because it's going to be a tough game. It's it's I almost wonder if because if you think of all the different matchups that the Packers could have if they play the following week, I don't know if any of those options or any of those scenarios worry me as much as this game does. So this, I'm, it's, I'm with you. It's almost a game. This is almost a game where it's like this could end up being your marquee matchup of the of the playoffs until you know the the game after the week after that. I'm I'm doing everything. <laughs> I, I'm I'm getting ridiculous trying to avoid saying it, but. No, I love it. I love it. Well, on paper, see, on paper, I think the Packers can and should outscore the Rams. And if you look, you look at and you did a nice breakdown of it too, of the 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 number of points the Rams score. You know, mm-hmm. the the Packers' strength is their offense, even, although they have a, a really good defense. And Pro Football Focus has them rated higher as an overall team than the Rams, right? But the Packers' strength is their offense. The Rams' strength is not their offense. The Rams' strength is their defense. And I think the reason I think the Packers can outscore the Rams is simply comes down to this. At quarterback for the Rams is likely to be Jared Goff, right? For the Packers, it's all pro and hopefully soon to be third-time league MVP Aaron Rodgers, and it's at Lambeau Field. That's it right there. There's your X factor. It's Aaron Rodgers and Jared Goff, and I just trust Aaron Rodgers and his offense to do more with the ball when they're on the field. And I think the Packers have potentially an easier path to get a couple of stops when it's Jared Goff throwing the ball versus if they had to face an Aaron Rodgers caliber type quarterback. And, you know, I mentioned the the points and Bryce, I don't want to put you on the spot, but you rattled it off on your last show the Rams have only scored 30 points. Was it twice this season? Five times they've scored 30 points. They five, um, okay. Yep, five times they've they've only scored 30 twice in the last six. Um, I don't I don't know why I pronounce six like that. Um, but the, in the last six, it's like Milwaukee, Wisconsin accent coming up. <laughs> yeah, that just came out. Uh, but yeah, 23, 38, 24, 23, 20, 18, and 30. In the last six, including then the wild card game, um, this is a team that lost to the Jets in Week 15, um, scoring 20 points. So that's just something to keep in mind. I think too is that this team is beatable. Um, yes, they have the number one defense, uh, but Donald is not 100%. Goff is not 100%. Uh, the Packers' offense, if you in the last six games as well. 41 30 31 24 40 and 35 um and then i mean putting 40 up against the titans putting up 35 against the bears Mm -hmm. say what you will they still made the playoffs Mm -hmm. um you know putting 31 up against the colts that made the playoffs Uh, the rams have played some good teams and they've got like a five and two playoff record but so do the packers um i think you you nailed it when you've got rogers um, and the way he's playing, uh, uh, like I said, I, I 
expectations are extremely high. They're they're an injured defense. I think when you look at McVeigh and Lafleur, uh, Lafleur doesn't have that one year shine, that awe factor. Not to say that maybe he got carried. I mean, he went to the NFC Championship game, was thirteen and three. Um, but I I do think that he's a little bit more settled in, and I don't think he, it, I hope that he doesn't get it in his head that he's going up against Coach Lef- McVeigh that played in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. So that's the old, that's another matchup that I'm wondering about is the McVeigh Lafleur. But then again, I I gotta give it to Lafleur and how he's run this offense um, at Lambeau. Um, maybe if this is you know in L.A., maybe this would be a different story. But at Lambeau again, and Goff has been awful. In, in cold weather games it's supposed to be what 90 20 degrees uh this saturday mm-hmm. it's gonna be cold mm-hmm. and so uh i don't know i i feel really really good and so far uh, when i felt really good the packers have done well so i'm gonna continue with that gut intuition um and i hope uh we continue on the in-season episodes uh next couple weeks well so with with jared goff the game plan and it's, it's been this way since he came into the league, and it's amazing. It's almost amazing when you think about this fact to think that this Rams team was in a Super Bowl two years ago. Mm-hmm. But with Jared Goff, the game plan has to be easy. He's not a complex quarterback, Peyton Manning at the line type of guy. It's It's got to be easy. So when the Rams are successful on offense, it's actually very frustrating to watch because – it just seems like the obvious things are beating them when they're executing well and when he's making some good throws. It's it's going to be one of those things. If Green Bay's defense isn't sound and assignment sure, we're going to have some of that frustration of the middle of the defense being wide mm-hmm. open, getting gashed there, not stopping the run, missing tackles, guys getting open, Robert Woods is shifty, what are they going to do it's with true. Jair? Is Jair going to shadow or is he going to, going to take his side of the field? Those types of things there. Jared Goff also still, although he played well against Seattle, has several pins in his hand and he just had right. hand thumb surgery a couple weeks ago. So you're going to be in the elements in the cold. Jared Goff does not have great stats in cold weather. And so I think that I think that's going to be a factor an absolute factor. And and I can tell you uh, as well, one of the reasons why Jared Goff had a little bit of easier time sledding was because Russell Wilson played so poorly and and for the Seattle, which was really baffling. It was the first loss at home for Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson as a tandem. And that that was, that was interesting. Just really, really bad from Russell Wilson. Mr. 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 Unlimited was very limited this past Sunday, but the Rams have, so Cooper cup is banged up too. And we talked about Aaron Donald Cooper cup is banged up. You've got Robert Woods roaming around Tyler Higby, the tight end in the middle cam acres, the running back ran very well against Seattle. Who's got a decent defense there. You know, you assume that Jair is going to lock down whoever he has or whatever side of the field he's got. Everyone else just needs to stay in their lane, which is easier said than done. That's asking Kevin King to make tackles, which is not something he always does very well it's asking darnell savage to step up and ball out like he has adrian amos to step up and ball out like he has the packers defense against the rams offense i think there's going to be some opportunities here and bryce one of the things we saw at the end of the season was 
the takeaway factor and the Packers getting after the ball and taking the ball away. Again, I think this is one of those games where if the Rams are going to wreck it, and we're going to talk about the Packers offense against the Ram defense in a second, it's going to be because they're getting turnovers and getting up in that throwing lane and knocking passes down and just disrupting what the Packers offense want to do. But I think, I think this is a, a situation where the Packers are ripe to, you know, it could turn it into a, a, a quite a nice day for the Packers if defensively they're able to take the ball away a couple times and take advantage of a Jared Goff who's recovering from thumb surgery and just is Jared Goff. You know what I mean? I, I predict that he's going to throw an interception uh, or two. Uh, he doesn't play well in cold games like you mentioned. Uh, he's got pins in his in his thumb. Um, I think the Packers' defense will be very much similar to what they've done in the last couple weeks with Trubisky and Tannehill. Um, have them beat you. Uh, so uh, then it comes down to can they contain Cam Akers and what Malcolm Brown uh, – before, the last time the Rams played, they had Gurley, so, and Gurley ran wild, and they had Brandon Cooks, and uh, I think Jair locked him down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think if the Packers continue to do what they're doing defensively, uh, but you're right, they do rely on turnovers, but Goff has shown that he throws interceptions. Um, he is um, inaccurate. And with it being a cold-weather game, I, that's something that I would predict. Now, the big question is, um, can the Packers bring them down too as well? Uh, but I think if the Packers get a turnover, just one, um, that tilts the field. Then you've got Aaron Rodgers. Um, like I said, I've got just really high expectations, barring any sort of significant injury or collapse or the or the yips. Um, everything just seems like on paper uh, going in the Packers' favor, uh, just Goff not being healthy. Um, if he was healthy, maybe that's a different story, but um, they did not anticipate him playing. So I guess the question is, w- will it be Goff? I mean, like when we're recording right now, uh, there's a chance that Wolford could could be there mm-hmm. as well. I'm not really sure uh, what his situation, his injury and everything. I mean, he went to the hospital uh, after uh, after that hit. So I'm there could be some sort of, I don't know, mystery uh leading up to Saturday, whether or not it'll be Goff or Walford, um, either or. Um, I think if the Packers, I think it's Cam Akers, to be to be quite honest, um, and and probably Robert Woods because Cooper Cup's not healthy. But well, I think if, I don't know if Akers can do back-to-back weeks as a rookie, so that's a big question. Well, I, you make a good point, and I wouldn't put it past Sean McVay to use a little bit of Wolford and Jared Goff Oh, I like that. A little bit of Wolford and Jared Goff. I mean, the Packers struggled in the past. These were very different Packers teams. But I remember in 2012 when Colin Kaepernick comes in for a snap or two during the regular season, and then all of a sudden in the postseason, it is Colin Kaepernick. It's not Alex Smith. And we all know what happened in that game. John Wolford can move. He can move. He can play. He's good. He's fast. He's shifty. There's a reason why the Rams, even though Jared Goff practiced all last week, had still decided to start Wolford. So... You could do a lot worse than Jared Goff as a backup quarterback, or if you have to win a playoff game, he's been to a Super Bowl before, but maybe it will be Wolford and the Packers have to prep. I think they'll be ready for either guy. I just trust Matt LaFleur and, and his culture there and the way that his team prepares. 26 wins to just six losses in the regular season over the past two seasons. I think he's earned from us the benefit of the doubt there that the Packers are going to be ready you mentioned something, actually. I, I love the term yips. It always makes me think of Mackie Sasser with the Mets when he couldn't get the ball to the, to the pitcher <laughs> back in the day. 
uh, way back in the day. If you haven't heard the story of Mackie Sasser and his yips, go look that up on YouTube. It's an old school thing. Obviously, I'm showing my age here, but one we talked about the Rams defense. It's ranked number one in the league. They've only allowed 296 points. Everyone else is every other defense in the NFL has allowed over 300 points. The Rams have uh, have allowed the fewest points. We know about Aaron Donald. We know about Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey's the All Pro first team cornerback. The second team All Pro cornerback Jair Alexander is going to be playing on the other side. Uh, not against Ramsey directly, but if he does want to bring that chip on his shoulder that he wasn't the first teamer into the game, I won't be upset about it. But if Jalen Ramsey locks down Devontae Bryce, Marquez Valdez Scantling, you want to talk about the yips? Marquez Valdez Scantling becomes a really important piece. And I said, yeah. and I've been saying for a long time, if you follow the show, we have to ride with guys like this. We can't just take them out of the game plan. You can't take the speed and the things that MVS does and what he makes the defense have to honor out of the game plan. You need that. You need MVS. You need Alan Lazard. You need guys like Tavon Austin who've made mistakes in the past. You've got to be able to count on those guys. MVS has got to catch the ball this week. That's going to be one thing that's going to be real problematic. That drop touchdown last week, or uh, yeah, last week against the Bears, okay, they survived it. But now you're in the playoffs here, and this is what we've been talking about. These are the games now where you don't survive. You may not survive those types of mistakes. And MVS has got to, the yips have got to go away. I don't know if he has to do a seance the night before or go see his, you know, whatever it is. But I think Alan Lazard is really going to need to step up because McVay seems like the kind of guy who knows that if Devontae's locked down, and it, that's going to be a battle to watch, Devontae and Jalen Ramsey going at it, you would assume that Aaron Rodgers' favorite backup option or alternate is going to be Big Bob the Sycamore, as you like to call him. And he is a Sycamore Big Bob Tunyon, but I can see McVay taking Tunyon away and saying, nope, Rogers, your security blanket is gone. Devontae, we're going to take Devontae Adams out with Jalen, and we're going to take your security blanket away. And if you can beat us with an uh, 83 who drops the ball all the time, 19 who hasn't played, uh, Equinemius St. Brown who hasn't played a bunch, and Alan Lazard and Malik Taylor, go get it. Go get it. So I think Lazard's going to have to step up and have his biggest game since the Saints game before the core injury. The Rams are allowing just 5.1 yards a pass. That's best in the league. As far as the passing game goes, do you do you see it that way there too? I just I think that I think that McVay takes a page out of Belichick's book and says I'm going to pick who we're going to take away, and I'm going to force you to go the opposite direction. And I think it's MVS and Lazard that are under the microscope. They're on stage. Their their numbers being called this week. I love that you mentioned that. That I mean, that's that's some heady stuff when it comes to the, comes to football. When you start thinking about McVay and plucking away players, he's going to do that. I'm, uh, my mind is blown. That was really cool because that's probably something that I I didn't think about and taking a page out of Belichick's book. So with the players that you mentioned, um, there are two players that come to mind for me. I I do think that this has an Alan Lazard type of a big game, if you will. MVS in the cold, I just, I, I'm going to temper my expectations. Like you said, he's going to stretch the field. He's going to keep the defense honest. He's going to open it up for other players like Devontae who, who can create, you know, exceptional separation. We'll see against uh, Jalen Ramsey, but Devontae Adams has shown that week in, week out, it doesn't matter who, who he's lined up against. Um, he's he's going to eat. I, I really wonder what he does against Jalen Ramsey. That's another matchup that I'm really excited about. 
But the two players that I think that could really have big games in the passing game are one, Aaron Jones, and two, Dominique Daphne. I think mm. uh, the the focal point of that F position that Dominique Daphne is in, he's almost like a, a tribrid is like what I like to call it, a little bit of fullback, a little bit of tight end, some running back in there, maybe a little wide receiver, um, but more of those uh, those three. I don't think that touchdown was an anomaly against the Chicago Bears. I think he's scratching the surface. Uh, what an incredible journey from bouncer to uh, catching a touchdown yeah. from Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So um, outside of that, you know, the feel good, like uh, the next, I don't know, Warner Brothers movie, like Invincible, like outside of that, I, I just, I, I think Daphne and Jones are those two players that there's only so much that McVay can sort of erase. And good luck trying to erase Devonte Adams, uh, but I, I do believe that he's going to neutralize people. And I wonder, maybe does he neutralize Aaron Jones? But Aaron Jones in the passing game, I think, is electric. I think there hasn't been maybe that much sort of focus in that regard, and so maybe that's something that Lafleur opens up a little bit. Uh, but those are the two players personally that I think could have a big game or uh, a significant role in this divisional round. I love it. And if you have Daphne have a big game, it would be just like all the other special Packers playoff runs in the past. There's always one player that kind of comes out of nowhere. Do you right. remember Spencer Havener in 2009? Spencer Havener, you want to talk yes. about an F F role and a tribred and guys that are doing multiple things. Daphne playing the, playing the part of Spencer Havener a la 2009. <laughs> I was in the house, Bryce, for that game in Arizona that was that ended in overtime 50, what, 51 oh, to 45. Wow. Yeah, that was that was not the a face great mask? <laughs> yeah. the face mask, game? the non face mask, call. the non face mask. And I was Jeez. in the end zone on the opposite end of the. So I'm in the end zone on the opposite end of the field on the lower level. So I had I didn't have a good vantage point of what happened, and it was it was all the way on the other side. I could not tell what went down. All of a sudden, all I saw were players uh, running out off the field and out out of the tunnel, and I'm like, wait, is is what's happening here? Did is there an earthquake? Like. What's going on? I didn't even realize the game had just ended. Oh, I just, no. I did. It was, it was, it was bizarre. It was bizarre. But yeah, Dominic Daphne, that, that would be great to have him step up and have a big game. And Aaron Jones, for all the things that I've said too, he knows his contract is up after this mm -hmm. season. He knows yep. it's going to be a long road to end up back in Green Bay. He hired Drew Rosen house, but the man is all in on being a Green Bay Packer through this run getting a champion, getting them a championship, winning a ring. He understands he may not get back to this point. Hell, if he ends up going to a team like the Jets or Jacksonville or Miami or some of those teams that have struggled to get into the postseason, he might get his big payday, but this might be his best chance ever to win a championship, and the man is locked in. So I guess this is a good time for us to transition from the passing game into the run game because – I, my point with Jones, and you actually brought up a really good point, is just get the ball in his hands, whether it's via the pass or the run, because he can do some really great things. And I think that's also a ticket with Devontae is, look, Devontae, we don't need you to catch 10 balls and go for 150 or a buck 50 and get in the end zone twice, but we do just want to get the ball in your hands because I don't care how good Jalen Ramsey is at covering Devontae Adams or wide receivers. When you get the ball in 17's hands, Good luck bringing him down. I wouldn't want to have to be the defensive back who is the same size as Devontae Adams trying to bring him down because this guy has worked at every single area of his craft, including how to get out of tackles. If you need a reminder, just go watch the, the 
effort to get into the end zone against the Eagles and Darius Slay, who's no slouch at cornerback. And that'll tell you what Devontae Adams does and what he's he's able to do when you get the ball in his hands. But as far as running the ball, the Rams, once again, they're only allowing 3.8 yards a carry. They only gave up 12 rushing touchdowns all season long. They really stiffen up once teams get into the gold zone there. That likely forces the Packers, I think Bryce, when you look at the offense as a whole, they're going to probably have to methodically move the ball. I don't think that the big play is going to be there all day, although they might, they might get one or two. But it's methodically move the ball. But that's what the Packers have done all season long. This kind of plays right into their offensive game plan. If you want to take the death by a thousand cuts, the Packers are all too happy to oblige. They've moved the ball. They've stayed in front of the sticks. They've converted most all season. They use up clock. And most importantly, they've punched it in when they get into that gold zone. So that's another matchup that's kind of sneaky. Maybe not a lot of people are talking about is the Rams gold zone defense against the Packers gold. zone. I keep saying gold zone to be, to be cheeky, but I love it. So, <laughs> so, so in the run game, cause AJ Dillon really didn't, he got one carry against the bears after that huge game yeah. against the Titans. So what are you thinking in the backfield? What's your ideal backfield combo? Are you giving AJ Dillon more touches to shake it up? Or do you stick with, you know, do, do you, you dance with the one that brung you as they say, and you're sticking with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I, I think it's the Aaron Jones show, but you're right. Uh, this is a really good defense, so I'm not expecting much, but I think that's where A.J. Dillon can thrive. Like, you need a guy that's going to punish this defense, demoralize you. And I know maybe I'm being a, a little bit presumptuous with this rookie, but he's a guy that essentially destroyed the Tennessee Titans. I know that defense is nowhere near uh, where the Rams are, but there was something with Dylan that excited me. I, I haven't seen that type of punishing, that type of sort of uh, explosiveness when it comes to a running back. I know Jones is special in that way, but the power, uh, I haven't seen that. You would think that this would be the game where a, where A.J. Dillon gets the rock more, but I, I don't know. I was surprised that he only got one carry following, uh, what, the 120-plus I think he had 24 carries, I think, in the, the Tennessee Titan game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought they'd follow that up, but this is also a guy that's six, seven weeks removed from the COVID list. So they're still easing him in. I need to temper my expectations. Uh, I, I would think that it's the Jones-Williams show based off of that, but I would really like to see A.J. Dillon in there punishing. Like, if you're only going to get three yards, a carry, give it to Dillon. Let him punish this defense. Let him just wear this defense Wear him down, down. yeah. So that, that that would be my viewpoint. Uh, but I think Jones is going to eat in the passing game personally. I hope he does. The Packers need that X factor. It's something that there's a lot of weapons, and this is what Green Bay has made all of these moves for. Picking up snacks, bringing in Valdir, yeah. getting Tavon Austin. They're, all, they're going all in. They're not worried about what's going to happen next year in a, in a season where the salary cap's going to go down. And by the way, none of those players factor into next year anyway. So right. they're all just, hey, fortify this team for right now. Brian Gutekunst not done fortifying this team. I mean, hell, they might pick somebody up between this week and next week. <laughs> who, who else is on practice squads that we can pluck for a game or two if it, if it, if it benefits the matchup between Green Bay and whoever it is that they're going to draw if they should be fortunate enough to move on from this round? So Packers-Rams Saturday, they're kicking it off the first game in the divisional round slot. This has been a lot of fun, Bryce, kind of talking through some of the aspects of 
of this game and what might happen. I'm really looking forward to to getting offline here and chatting with you a little bit more about it as the week moves along and then during the game itself. But what is coming up? We're recording this on Tuesday. The show will go up Wednesday. So what is coming up before the game at Unknown Packers Podcast and what's going to be coming up in the next couple of weeks? Uh, obviously, I think we have to we have to know what the Packers are going to do, but uh, what can you what can we look forward to? Uh, well, first off, thank you so much for having me on. This was a blast to uh, it, it's there. There's some vocabulary word choices that you said that made me in awe. And then like, I sort of blacked out for like 10, 15 seconds and was like, <laughs> Oh man, like he, he's still like, all right, like get back on track, Bryce. So I was humbled and honored to be a part of quick slants. This is definitely a weekly tradition for me. Um, feeling really good about the game, really excited of what we got going on at the unknown Packers podcast. We've been tinkering for the last few years and excited that we sort of found our equilibrium. We stabilized. We've got Nebels in production, occasional uh, co-host as well. And we've got Ken Ingles coming up on one year anniversary with uh, co-hosting. So we're definitely going to be talking, um, hopefully salary cap more, maybe a month down the road and, and talk more Packers coming up, but a uh, week in week out release, episodes tuesday and thursday and we have a guest episode um for the rams coming out uh this thursday facing the rams on tap so that's the episode that drops on thursday and then um we'll see what happens after after saturday uh hoping to do another uh victory episode with ken next week and another guest episode um as we continue on all roads through lambo to take what's rightfully ours man yeah, that's awesome, Bryce. It's been you've you've been you've been great. And if you're and remind everybody too how they can find you on Twitter. Yeah, you can find me at, at interpreted by BC and then the Unknown Packers podcast at Unknown Packers on Twitter. Uh, that's primarily the only social media I use. But yeah, thanks again, Jason. This was awesome. Uh, definitely a couple aspects that I overlooked, I didn't even think about. So really excited to get different perspectives as we lead into Saturday, but thanks again for having me on. No, of course. Absolutely. He is Bryce Christensen. He's one of the founders of the Unknown Packers podcast, and he will be avidly covering and following the Green Bay Packers as they lead up to their big divisional round matchup against the Los Angeles Rams. We will definitely be talking again at some point, Bryce. Hopefully, like I said, we'll be celebrating a Packers something really special <laughs> in the off season uh, at some point, but uh, thanks so much again. Really appreciate thanks it. So and, and a big go pack go to you. Welcome to the quick slants family. And we look forward to talking with you soon. Go pack. Go my man. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the quick slants podcast. Everybody enjoy the rest of this week. For those of you up in Wisconsin, I'm in the Phoenix area, so it's a little different here, but up in Wisconsin, everybody stay safe, stay warm. It's a big divisional round playoff game at Lambeau field. Go Pack go. Rodgers fakes the handoff. Quick throw right side. There's Devontae from right to left. Cutting left to the 50, to the 45, 40. Track down from behind. 